What's really funny to me in the wake of um, in the wake of these primaries and Ocasio Cortez winning, yeah, the people who are coming out in shock, utter shock at her and her policies, actually like end up making a very good case for her. Exactly. Yeah, it's it's actually the people of her own party, like other Democrats, mm-hmm. who come off like missing the message. Absolutely. You know? Which is great. Right. You got to go to NRA TV to actually hear like the hardest hitting, you know, elements of her platform. Yeah. Well, what's great about it and first of all, I do want to say that that guy, the, that uh, talking thumb, whoever that guy is, mm-hmm. she is dangerous for that guy, which is mm-hmm. great. Mm-hmm. So he's not wrong about that. But what I, what I love about it is, is like you said, like you hear this guy talking, like this guy's really threatened, right? Like this woman is dangerous. <laughs> Same thing with that Daily Wire article I sent you. It's like openly socialist, hard left leaning, right? Like you can just, you can like practically see the contempt like Dripping coming out of page. your monitor yeah. while you're reading this article. Yeah. And then it gets to her quote and her quote is, when it comes to power, we can't just be tempted by power and money alone. What we need to do is be bold enough and courageous enough to choose leadership that takes no corporate money and advances healthcare, education, and housing for all. That is what is dangerous. dangerous. That is what is so scary to some people that they're flipping out now. Yeah, and I know that's an NRA guy, but it's still so interesting that, you know, he tries to paint her as like anti-American values. Exactly. But the first thing he goes after is like, She's going to go after your guns as if like that is a primary kind of uh, a core right of Americans is to own semi assault rifles. Right. Well, also the the idea that that is the antithesis to what America is. Yeah. Like if that truly is the opposite of what America is, then, you know, maybe some things need to change. Right. If education for all. Healthcare for all, right? Like lifting everyone up is the antithesis of what America was built on. Like maybe that's not a great, uh, maybe that's not a great cornerstone for mm-hmm. the country. You know what I mean? Well, my my thing is seeing her run and win. It actually made me like a one issue voter. I think, and maybe. Maybe bring me back down. Maybe I'm just too, uh, I'm too high right now and I need to come back down to earth a little bit. But what she's revealed to me is how toxic corporate money is Mm -hmm. when it's in politics. She is 
And I went on Facebook and actually, even with people who violently disagree with me, the one thing that they kind of agreed on is it's a, it's great that she did it without corporate funds. I mean, even Trump ran on a false platform of financial independence. Right. And that resonates, that financial independence resonates with all voters. I think people didn't have the clarity of vision to see that with Trump. Number one, that was an impossible claim for him. Well, yeah, it's just all not of, true. All <laughs> of his money is tied to everybody he's doing deals with, right? <clears throat> Donald so, Trump might be the least financially independent in, person in the country. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> his money is tied to a million different people, right? Not, not, I would say it's tied to like two big governments, you know? And, uh, and so one thing that, that she revealed to me was the clarity of vision when you don't have corporate sponsorship, you know what I mean? And I was trying to think what would the opposite candidate of her look like? Mm-hmm. And honestly, I can't get away from feeling like it would be a wonderland if the other person was also running a self-funded campaign, articulating exactly what they believed in in their platform without any question of who is this person connected to, what other interests, what things are they hiding, right? Mm -hmm. So I kind of feel like, for me, corporate money is like my one-issue vote almost. Like, if you don't have that corporate kind of uh campaign funding mm-hmm. i'm going to listen to you a lot closer uh than you know any other kind of establishment politician mm-hmm. and you see this like closing of the ranks even within the democrats who see her as a threat because you're right she's a threat to the institution that everybody hates People voted for Trump. I think I would feel comfortable saying close to a majority of his support were people who are basically like, listen, the political system screwed up. We need a maverick in there. We need somebody who's going to shake it up. All I want to do is see establishment people scared. Mm-hmm. Like that was their that was their issue. But I want to say like, hey, guys, we can do that, but we can do it with somebody who whose baseline is actually like compassion. Right. Is actually like, let's actually think about providing for other people, but also provide for ourselves, you know? Right. And like, let's do that. And let's challenge the establishment. And, and that's, that's what she's doing. So regardless of the politics of her, regardless of the labels that people want to throw on her, she is running a principled campaign Her views are clearly stated. You know, when she states them, that that is what she is. That's what she believes. Mm -hmm. There's no question because she raised, what was it? A 10th of the money that Crowley spent. It was some insane kind of budget differential. Yeah. So, well, and to that point, politicians aren't afraid of Trump, right? Republicans aren't afraid of him because he's allowing them to kick through all of the legislation they've always wanted to, right? And they can pin any sort of negative repercussions on it on Trump. 
even though these are like the ideal of their policies. And Democrats aren't afraid of him because he's an easy target, right? That's an easy, easy win for them. Whereas Nancy Pelosi is like, she's shook, right? She does not know what to make of this. Yeah. And she's scared, and you can tell she is. And that's wonderful. Exactly. Um, something else I wanted to say, but I can't remember. You're running? I'm running yeah. <laughs> for office. Yeah. yeah. That's the thing that you wanted to announce <laughs> that you are actually running for school board. Um, oh, you're talking about how she ran a clean campaign. Mm-hmm. So, as, uh, yeah, an honest campaign. Yeah. Honest campaign. Mm-hmm. So, as soon as she won, one of the things I did, uh, as you can tell from the text that I sent you and Rob, is I went to Shapiro's Twitter to see what oh, he was saying about yeah. it. And apparently, there's a guy who is in some way associated with her campaign, whose name is Thomas Pierre. It's either Cortez or Lopez. Mm-hmm. And he is uh, an anti Semite. Mm. openly pretty he's an open anti-semite not he doesn't seem like a good guy basically yeah and the and what i've been trying to figure out i haven't devoted too much time into it but it's one of those instances where when you google just his name you get a bunch of articles from like last year and some stuff from a while ago four or five years ago of all the like anti-semite stuff he's doing like he's run for school board stuff like that his tagline is like stop greedy Jewish mm. landlords. Okay. Uh and he's focusing on like the gentrification of like Hispanic and Latino neighborhoods and stuff like that. And then when you Google her name and his name, all you get are the Daily Wire daily caller articles that are like oh look who showed up at someone's at or at her uh uh event at her event right and all it says is that he's been campaigning for her and the only picture they use is the same picture of her excited that she won and he's like in the background and they've like (laughs) circled his face (laughs) so i don't know what the association is there if there is any association at all i mean from my understanding of it like someone that just because someone is campaigning for you that does not mean there's any relationship there right but that's something that i'm going to try and keep my eye on coming up yeah well i mean again i I think i think What's interesting about her campaign, again, because you take out all that funding, what you have is you have smaller staff, you have her more in control of her message. She can't afford to like send spokespeople out to, you know, do interviews, right? She's the one who needs to go like knock on the doors and do the interviews. There's a lot of less, th- th- there's less opportunity to hide mm-hmm. in a campaign like that. You, you don't have a lot of spaces to 
um, hide things as you go on because campaigns are like, again, that's just a primary. Right. Now we enter like phase two. So listen, if anything is hidden, you have a better chance of exposing it. Then again, with these establishment people who look at like, just look at the people who've ridden Trump's coattails, right? How many people got exposed as like spousal abusers, you know? And it's just like, it's just a, a endless network of scumbags who can all latch on and make a living wage being your spokesperson and assistant spokesperson and like whatever else, you know what I mean? Well, the difference too, though, is that Trump openly embraces those people and refuses to disown them. And after they leave. even distance himself Yeah, he just opines for them still and uh, bemoans their their absence. Uh, Yeah, no, but I mean, that's where, like, again, I'm not scared of that stuff because with a smaller run campaign like this, the people like that are going to get exposed. Like, you know, if he is her right-hand person, then she's going to have to count for his presence. Yeah, that's going to be an issue. Yeah, that's going to be an issue. And it will come out because, again, there's, n- there's no already look. It's out, right? right? So I- I'm not worried about anything like that. What I'm focused on is her message. And I just don't see anti-Semitism coming as a pillar within those principles. Right. You know, I want... Healthcare for all. I want right. housing. I want jobs for all. I want livable wages. Uh, and I want the Jews persecuted. <laughs> See, you yeah. know what I mean? So, yeah. so it, yeah, to me, it sounds like, again, she's working off of a volunteer basis anyway. Yeah. I mean, when she won, she's like, yes, this is a grassroots um, campaign. And the first people she shouts out are single mothers. You know, right. And the LGBTQ community. So, I mean, I'm, I don't know. I, I like what I hear. I like what she represents. I, I hope that more people at least take the message to distance yourself from corrupting money right. in your campaigns. Just run on your message and allow people to respond to that. It's not about having a million dollars in the bank. Yeah. And it's also great that she's not 75 years old. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's great that she's not 75 years old. And, uh, and I mean, and again, I've heard some people be like, she was bartending last year. And I was like, yeah, great. Yeah, exactly. Good. Ex- exactly. Right. What do, do you want? Like she was, uh, a, she was spent last year in the Hamptons. Right. Exactly. Figuring out her life at her parents. Yeah. Um, you know, summer house. Like, I don't want, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like. Uh, she spent four years skating through Princeton because, you know, four right. generations back have all graduated. Yeah, there, exactly. you know. So, so yeah. So what you're saying is that she understands where 99% of our population is coming from. Yeah. That's which, what you're saying. Like, what's funny, too, is you see the, these people, you know, you realize, like, with the James O'Keefe stuff, especially when it comes to politicians. You don't need to do an elaborate kind of like setup to entrap these people. Did you just see the video of protesters just walking towards Mitch McConnell? <laughs> I didn't see the video, but I did see the. I mean, yeah, amongst utter my, panic amongst my time seeing what the right was saying about this win. I did see a couple of uh, 
what's his wife's name? Chow, something like that. Right, where she like, came she, out. She like lambasted the protesters or yes. whatever. Yeah, I did see that. <clears throat> but when you see him, he j- he looks like a toxic cloud <laughs> right. that will turn you into a zombie. Is like coming towards him. I mean, he he's completely and utterly panicked. He is such a part of an institution where I, I think metaphorically, right? He is, you know, levels miles above the peons of people who, you know, get the trickle down effects of his policies. And he's completely out of touch. Yeah. If any normal person approaches Mitch McConnell, it might as well be an alien coming yeah. for him. I mean, he, he, he has no connection. And yeah, that is how our political system is built up. Once you get in, you're in. Once you represent your party and your party has a lock hold on, on a district, you're good. Mm-hmm. You gerrymander the crap out of that thing. And you ride your position into your grave. Right. You know what I mean? And the other thing, too, is like <clears throat> these establishment politicians are so out of touch that all you have to be is young and have a different experience and they just they panic which goes back to like the whole trump thing where they're like yeah trump is playing three-dimensional chess because no one knows how to play the game he's playing he doesn't know how to play the game he's playing and that's the whole thing all he has to do is just start moving pieces around and, and no one will stand up and be like hey are you adhering to any rules they just keep trying to play whatever game he's playing you know um it's just it's just shocking when somebody disrupts the system so much and you realize all they did was say no to money mm-hmm. and they're young right yeah <laughs> and it's like oh my god america is over nancy pelosi's freaking out oh did you see trump's tweet i thought that yes. was hilarious yeah so much for the blue wave right you know <laughs> yeah Anti-Trump Crowley loses. Exactly. All he knows is that Joe Crowley was mean to him and he lost. That's literally all Trump knows about it. He doesn't get the sense that maybe this is a really, really bad sign for his party or for his campaign. He just knows that this guy didn't vote for me mm-hmm. and now he lost. So, man, 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 man. That's all he knows. I mean, but political strategist, I can't wait to read his book. After he leaves office to figure out how to really do politics, you know, he's got to figure it out. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing, too, with the Mitch McConnell thing. Like, that's this is what we this is what. You you know, and and the whole talk about civility and and disrespecting people's like this is Mitch McConnell's a public servant, Mm -hmm. right? The people coming up to confront him are his constituents yeah if he doesn't do a good job if those people don't feel like they're being represented by him it is their civil duty to confront him about it there is nothing more civil and american than doing that Mm -hmm. that is the exact opposite of being uncivil right it is it is our job to confront these people, right? Because they are our, they are the public servants. They mm-hmm. are representing us. They're not representing the donor class. They're not representing the handful of billionaires that give them money 
hand over fist to mm-hmm. get whatever push through that they want pushed through, right? Technically, their job is to represent the people of their district. Yeah. So the idea that confronting them in public when they're not doing what their constituents want them to do, that that is in some way uncivil or un-American or disrespectful is... It's so trollish mm-hmm. that I feel like it's either it's just it's just it's it's exactly that it's just someone being a troll or a contrarian or it's somebody is so stupid <laughs> and uninformed that I don't even have I feel like I don't even have like the patience or the temperament to like talk to them about it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that, the whole civility debate that has risen up over the past week or so is so insane to me that I am completely, I've chosen to completely disengage from it. Yeah. Because it just makes no sense at all. Yeah. Well, I I think for anybody who wants to challenge Mitch McConnell, here's, here's your campaign uh, approach. You just get every picture of Mitch McConnell reacting to an, to a real person approaching him (laughs) and you just basically have normal people just be like walk towards Mitch McConnell and then you capture that on hidden video yeah and then you just make his facial reactions to somebody earning 40,000 or below approaching him right and that's it all you do is say do you want a man this terrified of people right representing people yeah like you can't represent something that you're this terrified of. Like he is he is scared out of his mind right. by a brown person or a somebody earning probably less than six figures a year getting within fifteen feet right. of him. He has no idea what they're capable right. of. Right. And I'll say he should be. He should be scared of these people because he spent his entire career screwing them over. Right. And at this point, he should be afraid of them confronting him. Yeah. I don't mean that in like a they're going to harm him physically. Right. But he should expect a confrontation. Well, just because he should have a conscience that actually has a a whisper left. Right. Internally to be like, hey, one of my policies probably really hurt these people or someone they know. So I need to I need to be defensive. But no, I mean, I would say. You just get a little girl with flowers and have her walk over to, to Mitch McConnell and just like step out from beside a corner and and he'll he'll panic. Right. You you capture that, you put that all over, yeah. you know, the 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 city and uh and then you skate in for a win because yeah, I think people will have to look at that and be like I mean, yeah, he he can't represent something that he has no connection to. Well, and that's the thing, too, going back to uh, Alexandria winning mm-hmm. is like the I, the identity poli- politics aspect of it. The, the right loves to scream about identity politics and how all the left does is play identity politics. Whereas you look at a lot of the uh, strategy on the right and it's literally <laughs> we're Republicans. We don't believe this. It, it, there's nothing. There's no critical. I mean, there's literally campaign ads. Um, that Ted Cruz has been running recently against Beto O'Rourke right. that are that literally say you can't be a Texan and be a Democrat. Yeah, like that's that's his entire campaign strategy. Right. 
There's no policies. There's no nothing in there except mm-hmm. for you're Texan. That means you're Republican. Yeah. No definition of what that even means, what being a Republican is. It just is this equals that. I mean, again, the, the, uh, the incivility thing, the, the whole thing is just such a troll. Yeah. And the whole thing is just, it's gaslighting. That's all it is. And so I feel bad even giving it a, a second of genuine discussion okay. because it's so obviously yeah. just people trying to troll. No, no. I, I, I think that's the perspective I wanted to approach it with. I did want to quickly move into the, the, the core issue that I see when I hear people talk, talk about civility. But before I get there, this is a, a story they kept hearing about. And then finally I gave in. I was like, fine, I'm going to look this up. Have you ever looked into the story of Ted Cruz's son uh, killing a dog? No, that's Mike. That's the Huckabee. Oh, that's Huckabee. That's right. That, 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 that's right. I haven't looked into it. I but I hear it referenced a lot. Yeah. Okay. So that yeah, that tells you how recent it was for me that I finally gave in because I I fought for a while and I do get freaking Ted Cruz and and Huckabee mm-hmm. confused. I do feel like they're interchangeable. Sure. Um, but. It is a it is a crazy story and just makes me think again how. How perfect an example it is when you think about um, I mean, I remember being a kid and you you love like um, Karate Kid or whatever, and you see like the Cobra Kai. Those are the bad guys, right? Mm -hmm. Team. And you're like, I remember being a kid being like, who would. Why would you ever want to be on that squad? <laughs> yeah. Like, how do you how do you watch this movie? And how is that like representative of anybody in reality? Yeah. I mean, at some point, you would just look at each other and be like, "Why are we bad? Why yeah. are we the bad guys? Why are we doing this?" Right? And as you get older, you realize like, no, there are people who that that is who they are. Like, that is not too far off the the truth the reality and you realize who the cobra kai guys are they're mike huckabee's son like you know he just like you you look at his family the wealth the you know everything they came from and of course he killed a dog at boy scout camp when he's like 17 years (laughs) old under mysterious circumstances and then mike huckabee just like brushes under the rug and my my kid's okay you know and it's like you how are you out here like tweeting about anybody when like your son murdered a dog at a boy scout camp when he's a, he's a he's a sociopath. Yeah. You know what I mean? And yet you feel comfortable jumping out and uh what was his what was his last big dumb tweet? Oh, he has so many of them oh, but about yeah. the MS13 being cabinet MS-13. members or whatever. <laughs> Like, like you, how are you, uh, that tweet is unimaginable for anybody to do, Yeah. let alone, like, I can't imagine doing that. I can't imagine doing that if my son murdered a dog at Boy Scout camp. I think I would, like, move away to the sticks and try and, like, <laughs> not have any outward reaction, try right. and figure out, son, what's wrong with you? We need to, like, we need to get away from, from society. But you realize, like, with Mike Huckabee, yeah, everything's fine. Yeah, no, he just had a little indiscretion. Yeah, a, a boy, a, a Boy Scout camp. Um, yeah, and you realize, like, man, all those caricatures are not caricatures mm-hmm. of the wealthy, rich, entitled sociopath. Yeah, it's, 
Yeah, and I was listening to a call-in show today that was talking about this. And they had a guy call in from, maybe he's from the Bronx. He's from New York somewhere. Mm-hmm. But his, his general point was, listen, I know that this is wrong. I know all these policies are wrong. I know blah, 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 Donald Trump is wrong, blah, blah, blah. But some people have to get paychecks, right? It, speaking to like why people are still working for ICE and why mm-hmm. people are detaining these children. And, and that's what I mean by like, I don't think that guy's a troll. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, I think that guy's just dumb. Yeah. Right. Like that's a really dumb thing to say. And I don't personally have like the temperament to talk someone out of that. <laughs> that makes me so frustrated that I don't think I'd be able to like have a calm conversation where we either agree to disagree or I either talk them down. Yeah. You know what I mean? But like saying something like that is so clearly wrong. Right. And so, so easily relatable to the Nazis, which I know is like a thing, right? Like, don't compare it to the, like, you know what I mean? It's like people yeah. are, are, are saying, you know, like it's too ex- extreme of a comparison. But that is literally the defense that SS soldiers used when they were being tried after the war was, well, we were just following orders. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you can't do that. Right. That does not work. Like, like, listen, I understand the pressure of that, but you can't do it. You know what I mean? Like, there comes a point to where you're going to have to say, listen, I know this is going to be a really hard decision personally for my family, but I can't do this. And if you don't make that decision, you, there should be repercussions for that. Mm-hmm. And it's not... Saying I have to get a paycheck, it, that does not justify yeah. it. And what quality of people are you getting in jobs like that? Like you're justifying it. I don't know if that guy was justifying it from the point of being an, an ICE worker. It, it makes me wonder just it, by the fact that he's like, listen, I know it's wrong. He's probably trying to speak on behalf of ICE workers that he views as, as Donald Trump might say, as really good people. There are probably yeah. some really good guys who are nice. Right. I want to say like there are probably some really sick psychopaths who are like, crap, I can get paid for this? Man, I love ripping kids away right. from, from their parents. Um, yeah, I wanted to touch really quickly on the civility thing, and it kind of ties into this as well. But I think, I think for me, what happens when you hear people talk about civility is you hear a corollary to the all lives matter argument, where what they're trying to do is eliminate all context from right. a situation to then be able to leverage that against any other equivalent you know, instance of that thing happening without any context, without having to worry about the context. So the All Lives Matter wants to take Black Lives Matter, which is happening out of a very specific, in a very specific response to a very real problem that's still going on, as we see in Philadelphia, right? Where, what was it, 90 minutes after being sworn in, a police officer shoots and kills yeah. an unarmed black teenager? Shoots in the back, later admits he did not think he had a gun. Just right. shot him in the back. Just shot him in the back, right? Yeah. So so you, you have this movement coming out of that in the response 
you just hear people say, oh, so you're saying you don't respect all lives? Yeah. Well, you can't take them out of their context. You're denying any context for what they're saying. You're denying their perspective. You're denying their experience. And you're trying to boil down on the one issue that you feel like you can then pull out and then equate to everything else. You're saying that my life doesn't matter then. That's not what they're saying at all. So all you're trying to do is just like artificially level the playing field so then you can move the pieces around where you need them to be so you're right. Yeah. And that's the same thing you're doing with the civility argument. I've heard people try and compare this like the civil rights movement, you know? Oh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders wasn't allowed service at a restaurant. That makes me think of the civil rights movement, you know? Mm -hmm. And so what they want to do is they want to say, you denied service to somebody just like they denied service. Those two things are wrong. Denying service, somebody's wrong. What they aren't saying is one specific restaurant that had a majority minority workers in the kitchen politely asked mm-hmm. Sarah Huckabee Sanders, spokesperson right. for Donald Trump in the White House that is currently enforcing a policy, ripping children away from families, also being open with the fact that they don't have a real plan to reunite all these families. Yeah. Also saying that they can't control something that they can control because then we see Donald Trump do an executive order to stop the thing they said they couldn't stop. You have Sarah Huckabee Sanders standing up and defending that day after day after day, coming into a restaurant in that situation, that context, that is vastly different than a black person trying to go in, trying to like drink from a water fountain. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that person has no context upon which drinking that water has anything more than they're thirsty. Yeah. They're thirsty and there's a water fountain. And yeah. you're offended at them drinking that because of the color of their skin. Why are people offended at Sarah Huckabee Sanders being there? Well, there's kind of three good reasons right there. And if you look at how the owner did it, it was in a very civil way. People want to say like denying service was uncivil. I think that was civil. Exactly. I think one thing that's not civil is Sarah Huckabee Sanders then going on social media to try and like what what humble brag. It's it's a it's a backhanded attack Mm -hmm. to say, hey guys, I was I walked the high road here, left this restaurant, but let me tell you what they did to me. Right. So she can sick all these you know nut jobs out on this restaurant, this owner. Well, I'm sh- have you seen the story about Joe Biden getting kicked out of the restaurant? No. You haven't seen that? No. So it got real popular as soon as this thing came out. Apparently, the same thing happened to Joe Biden when he was vice president. Someone kicked him out of the restaurant because he's Joe Biden. He's yeah. working with Obama. He's vice president for Obama. And there was no big uh, mess made about it by on Biden's side. But then Paul Ryan and Mitt Romney brought the restaurant's owner out on cam- on the campaign trail with them to like campaign with them and be like, this is the guy who kicked Joe Biden out of the restaurant. <laughs> You'll have to That's look great. it up. But to me, the difference is, is to me, this is the difference because it's like, first of all, I don't understand what the right is upset about because they're happy that from, from what I understand, they're happy that people can kick someone out of their business 
right for being gay for whatever reason they want to right but they're d- d- yeah they, they, but they, they're upset that sanders is well i think i think it's slightly different what what i think okay <clears throat> some people yes they want their homophobia to be shielded by the lack of a law right that would allow them to then operate in their homophobia to deny service to people right what you hear some people are trying to advocate <clears throat> you know um air quotes intelligently about about that ruling is they don't want the government to to force uh, a, a a behavior of a business owner right you know <clears throat> that that sets a dangerous precedent um, even if you disagree with why that person is denying it to then bring in the government to then force that service is a dangerous precedent so we don't want that mm-hmm. you know but again, it's like no one then asks the further question, wait, why are we supporting some guy's decision to not serve people well, at yeah. his business because they're gay? Right, like, exactly. You that, know what that I mean? To me, that's the difference to me is this guy sh- should not be allowed to – no restaurant should be allowed to deny service based on something you cannot control, right? I, you have no – control over being born black right you have no control over being born gay right those are or i know that gay is not but should be protected classes if they're Mm -hmm. not already sarah huckabee sanders has chosen to be a piece of shit yeah right so i can choose to kick her out of my restaurant because of the decisions she has made in her life right well look at how many people have called po- cops on minorities who are doing things that they don't like, right. trying to, in essence, kick them out or shut them down in sometimes like those people's neighborhoods. Like I came to your neighborhood. I don't like what you're doing. You're being loud. Or you're selling water or you're, you know, doing whatever. I'm going to call the cops. You're grilling out, right? You're barbecuing in a way I don't appreciate. <laughs> right. You're barbecuing in a way that I don't appreciate. So I'm going to, I'm going to call the cops on you. Like the, those are those people who then look at like a business owner who is, who is like, what if the business owner just says, Hey, listen, I have a small business. Your celebrity brings a lot of, you know, un- unwanted attention here. Um, you know, would you mind eating somewhere else? Mm-hmm. Right. Like any, I think any business owner would have the right to do that. If a celebrity walks into their establishment, they're like, you know what? This isn't the, the, the attention that I want. You know, you can go somewhere else and, and that's fine. Right. Or I can shut this barbecue down because I don't like the way that they're barbecuing, but you know, somebody on my side or I can make a political argument gets denied a service. All of a sudden I'm, I'm riding that wave all the way into shore like i'm riding yeah. that for as long as i can but it's but again it's removing the context right you just want a contextless act that you can then equate to whatever else you want to then show and prop up whatever straw man argument you have right <clears throat> you know look at these uh liberals who you know basically just want to live in their bubbles and blah 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 so yeah. that that's number one number one this is a whole kind of like straw man, like a, a poor magic trick of watch his hand over here while I, you know, pickpocket you with my other hand, right? Mm. Um, kind of move to just remove the context. The other thing about the civility thing, I think this goes to what we were talking about before, 
There, there's one element that I think needs to be present in order for civility to be extended. I think what that is, is curiosity. I think there has to be curiosity between two people in order for civility to then be extended. Because like in your example um, of, you know, people who are just basically like spouting off whatever racist tirade that they have or uninformed position on, you know, listen, ice people need to make, make a living. Mm -hmm. That shows me zero curiosity in terms of, wait, what are the moral impacts of jobs that we work, right? What is the historical record of people who are just working to get a paycheck? Has that historically led to, you know, good jobs coming out of that thing? Or has that led to people literally like falling into meat grinders and then people are just lined up outside to like fill that spot until they fall into the meat grinder? You know what I mean? Like that always leads to abuse showing no curiosity in terms of, you know, the, the conversation that is being had. And so, yeah, if you come at me and you say like, Hey, people got to work. If you come at me and you say, uh, you know, for, for example, immigration, right. Um, what I hear a lot of times with, uh, in the immigration debates, um, is you know in separating families <clears throat> it's a deterrent right. jeff sessions has said that sure even some people have tried to deny that that was the reason the policy is there stephen miller has come out and said it's a deterrent mm-hmm. previously right so either you you're, you're you're saying split these families up because it's a deterrent well that that ignores the reason why these people are crossing mm-hmm. jeff sessions has said just don't bring your children across the border then mm-hmm. and we won't have to separate you. Well, why do you think, Jeff, they are coming with coyotes to cross the border? Right. Is it just because they're bored over there? <laughs> right. They just got tired no, of it's being because they bored? Wanted, it's, because, it's because all of the drug dealers and rapists and murderers are coming to America to take our jobs. Right. Right. Because we have so many openings for drug dealers and rapists and <laughs> yes. murderers, apparently. Yeah. So, you know, number one, right. You, you, you tell me that it's a deterrent. Zero amount of curiosity there. Zero amount. Right. If you tell me that the reason why people, um, why we need to separate these families is because of the increased crime rate of immigrants and illegal immigrants. That also shows zero uh, signs of curiosity because that is easily refuted again and again and again by studies. We can bring up, you know, in 10 seconds, I can bring up five different studies that show that immigrant crime rates are far, far lower than naturalized citizens. Right. You know, Um, so. That to me shows me zero sign of curiosity. So how can I extend you civility? You are not coming into this conversation. You're not putting any effort into yeah, it. Yeah, with, with any curiosity. Right. And I am not saying that I have the answers, but I'm saying that I can point to verifiable real data or kind of, you know, kind of common sense deductions mm-hmm. 
that will show you that like, oh yeah, to just say that we should separate these people as a deterrent, not only is it heartless, if that doesn't, you know, convince you, right. then we can talk about the specific stories of these people trying to cross, you know, that, that, that should be enough to be like, oh wow. Yeah. Maybe there is another perspective out there. Yeah. So I think that's the other thing. If you don't have curiosity and that goes for me too. I'm curious too. Yeah. I, I want to figure it out, you know? So if we have a gun debate, do I know all the answers for gun debates? No, I don't know all the answers for like what we should do with guns, but I'm interested in figuring it out. And right. I have a few ideas based on data, based on historical precedent, how many AR-15s have been used in mass shootings. Why do we need bump stocks? Yeah. Why? Why, why do we need that? Right. Um, to round capacity, how many bullets do you need to be able to fire in a second? How many, right? I think that we should be able to, to be able to come up with a number that makes sense for how many rounds you need to be able to fire in 10 seconds. Yeah. Yeah. And if it's any more than 10, please tell me why. Yeah. (laughs) Please tell me why. I just don't get it. You know? So. I mean, that to me is the thing. And, that, and that's, again, what people don't want to, they just want to say, you need to be civil to me. Well, what are you saying? You know, are you saying something in a spirit of curiosity? Are you saying something in, in, in a way of declaring your poisonous perspective, hoping to get that virus to spread, you know? Um, and so I think that's, that, that, that's the thing. Like, you know, people who are just uh, full of fear and they just want to get their fear out there. Um, why should we civilly engage that conversation? Yeah, no, yeah I, I agree. Um, and, and, and part of the context, the context free stuff too, that's really bothered me is like the same thing with like this, you know, the, the constitution guarantees us uh, a right for the government to not interfere with our business or whatever. Or is the same thing with like the, the free speech, right? Like, we have freedom of speech, so the government has no say whatsoever over what people are saying. And to me, it's like we are, there is, we are thinking people, right? There is context to this mm-hmm. stuff that can allow us to say, hey, maybe some things that are more or less objectively bad, we can like, count those things out we don't just have to like stand by and let them be right because the constitution guarantees freedom of all things right mm-hmm. like we are not uh we're not cows grazing in a field like just waiting for our throats to be slit right we can be intelligent people that can think about these things that can work through these things so we have uh part of our constitution that calls for the freedom of arms or the right to bear arms that's been interpreted a million different ways but like as a thinking society maybe instead of just being like well no matter what this says freedom of arms so we can have whatever guns we want we can think about it and say as a society this is what we do and don't need Mm -hmm. right and maybe this thing was right and was true 300 years ago Things have changed a little bit since then, right? Yeah. I, I, <clears throat> this had nothing to do with the gun debate, but did make me think. I saw a tweet from somebody, I can't remember who tweeted it, 
they're like, if uh, MIA song Paper Planes used a musket, <laughs> the song would be like 25 minutes long. <laughs> and you just realize you're like, you know, yeah, like, why are we so, why is it so difficult for us to either hold two different things in our mind at one time, right? Yeah. So after a school shooting, after a mass shooting, all of a sudden it's like, we can't talk about guns right now. This is a time to mourn and to be quiet or whatever. It's like, well, you know, I think, I think I'm capable of doing both. I mean, I think we can at least try it, you mm-hmm. know, let's see. Uh, and why are we so incapable of like updating, you know, yeah. concepts? Right. Like, why, why is that a non-starter to say how many rounds could you get off with a musket at the time the Second Amendment was written? Mm-hmm. What, what are we talking about there? Okay, so where are we now? Yeah. Okay, so there's literally no grading in between that progression. Right. <laughs> Zero. Right. A the- gun is a gun. <laughs> Right. Right. Uh, I, that, that to me is like just you're, you're trying to not see it. Yeah, exactly. The idea of a constitutional purist should be absurd. Right. Right. Like, like one of the things with Kennedy uh, announcing his retirement is people are advocating or the right is advocating. I can't I don't know the guy's name, but this guy and his position is like, I'm a constitutionalist or whatever. Yeah. And it's like. Like this stuff is, 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 it's not applicable. Right. Like look you around you, buddy. The skeleton, whatever. Yeah. But like this document is no longer applicable. Our country is so, so different. Like we have to start updating things. I, I get that it would be so boring and no one would read it. But do you know the, the book that could be written on just the development of mass transportation, how that has just yeah. drastically affected our society? Like, if you want to say like, oh, I'm a constitutionalist, <clears throat> I feel like you would need to read a book on each segment of society that has changed and altered since that time. You would need to read like the 2000 page book that talks about the movement from an agrarian society into a mass produced kind of through the industrial age. Right? Mm-hmm. You'd have to understand all of the effects of that thing. Because those principles were written under a completely different context, a completely different sky, you know? And you would need to, to me to understand what the effects of all these minor changes had on our society to understand how those principles, if you truly care about how those principles will work down that society, you would have to understand that society inside and out. Yeah. You know what I mean? But they don't understand that society. They don't care to know that society. They're not going to read the books to understand that society. They only like the concept. They only like to take the concept of God, mm-hmm. you know? Oh, look, right there in our Constitution, God is there. So we are a Christian nation. Okay, well, can we see how many founding fathers actually would adhere to an orthodox kind of right. theology of, of Christianity? Like, not many. Yeah. But they don't care. Oh, all men are created equal. See, America was founded as a, as a, you know, kind of equal nation, a nation free of, you know, how many were slave owners? How long was slavery still excused underneath the banner of 
all men are created equal. Like you know, these are just baseline curiosities, but they they they're a constitutionalist only in principle, only in the ideas. That's all they care about is their assumption of what those concepts mean, and that's what they're holding on to. Mm-hmm. You know, but yeah, it's like none of these people are like. Uh, it, it, in my experience, none of them could articulate to me the ins and outs of what, you know, 17th, eight, what 18th century life was like in the colonies. Yeah. You know, they only know like, yeah, them reds tried to take us over and a bunch of farmers him with their pitchforks, you know what I mean? Like, and that's the American spirit. Damn it. You know, <laughs> hide, hide behind a tree and shoot and then go have a beer, you know? Yeah. I don't know, man. I don't know. But yeah, it's like, I, I do feel, you know, so, somebody was saying, um, I, again, like, I feel like with every, every week you see these people again coming out and being like, Hillary, oh, if Hillary, you know, mm-hmm. and, and I want to say, listen, as small of a, of a comfort as this is, this reality has moved the left left. Right. You know? So yeah. it's like, let's get, let's get with that momentum or I don't know, dig in your heels and don't vote coming. Like, you know, at some point I think we just got to give over to it and like, go with it, go with the momentum. Right. The momentum is parsing out this country and what it's doing is with every, you know, thoughtless statement, with every excuse of a policy that is inherently blatantly racist, uh, which is blatantly like lacks compassion for people. It's moving people further to have to to excuse it, to defend it. And so you get the guy who thinks that he's being you know, moderate. He's going out there and be like, Hey, everyone needs to feed their family. Yeah. Well, eventually you're going to be like, listen, man, I got to club these seals over their head in front of these children because somebody has to club the head over the, 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 you know, somebody has to club these seals and these children, uh, you know, they need to breathe. So we need to make those cages open. Mm -hmm. And we need to use the space. So, of course, this factory has been converted or this old Walmart has been converted to a half kill shelter for animals and a half like child detention center. You know what I mean? So you you just have dogs being put to death right next to screaming kids. You know, it's like, listen, man, I got I got to feed my family like that. That to me is is again, you're, you're, you're so putting yourself out there on a fringe that you're either going to wake up and be like, what did I just say? Mm-hmm. Like, what? wait, wait, what, what? Or somebody that, I, that cares about me is at least come back. Hey man, I heard you call in. Did you, do you know about ice? Like, do you know <laughs> when they were formed? Do you know that they're only within the last like 15 years yeah. that they were started? Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and, uh, and, and, and at least educate them or they will be fringe. Right. Right now, Trump supporters are releasing some of those vile things of like fake kid, fake picture. It's like, okay, so if I share with you the audio 
right. of children screaming in a detention center and ICE agents and immigration officials mocking them, making fun of them, mm-hmm. you know, conducting them like a chorus. Is, is that fake? Yeah. Oh, no, that's not fake. You are literally willing to excuse well, that. Not, not even that. It's that they're actors. Now the kids are actors. Yeah. So, right. so it's like you have, you have now like you are just you're willing to go that far and you're showing everybody it. You know what I mean? It's like you're showing everybody your, your, your ass. Everybody sees it. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I think that as we move more to the left, as the left basically, like you just said, gets called out on the principles of living wages, housing for all, healthcare for all. When that is seen as extremist, I think people are going to gravitate towards that as a majority, mm-hmm. you know? And I think that would be a positive move overall. Uh, and I think it'll just alienate all these people. And all they're going to have is their sad, small collectives of mm-hmm. racist, bigotist, you know, homophobic, um, enclaves of morons. You know, you know, I've been trying to find a better word. <laughs> I, I've loved this word of just referring like they're hogs. Uh-huh. It's, it's what Chapo called like, yeah, they're swine. They're yeah. hogs. That's what they are. Yeah. And, and they're just revealing themselves more and more and more to, you know, to be that. And so I'm like, listen, I will gravitate left. I think sensible people will, will hear from the left or the response will have to be somewhat matching that move. Hopefully, the thing that I'm hoping will catch fire is that people will start seeing the impact of money on their politicians and get sick of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, the thing about that, too, is the left, quote unquote, the left has maintained their position for the past however many decades. The left has not moved. Mm-hmm. It's not moving more left. There's not been a gradually there's there's not been a gradual pull to the left by the Democratic Party. They have there's data backing it up. They have largely maintained a centralist position on a lot of policies and they haven't budged from that. Meanwhile, the right is 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 continually pulling further and further right into the fringes. Uh and again, there's data backing that up. What we need and, wh- and why, you know, the, the primary victory is so upsetting to a lot of the Democrats now is because that is a genuine move to the left, which is what I believe the country needs, right? And the 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 main until trump came along there's really no difference between the democrats mm-hmm. and the republicans they're both more or less fighting for i mean the way the system was set up is just basically we're going to cater to the ultra rich and we're going to do just enough to make everyone else complacent yeah. right to where they don't need to really question anything myself included and and now that Trump is in office, like I said, he's just kind of like to, the way I see it, he's just kind of like turbocharged all of the really bad policies that the right yeah. has always wanted to enforce. Yeah. But they didn't have the bad guy like Trump to pin it on. And so now that's what they're doing. So. 
I don't know. The, the, the left versus right thing is like, that's another thing too, where people, I feel like the people you talk to or the people you hear talking about it say, we'll be talking about the left and the right or Democrats and Republicans, but they don't really understand what that means. When they think of the Democrats they're thinking of, what they're really thinking of is like a left-leaning Republican, basically. You know what yeah. I mean? That, that's why I think the, I, that's why I think Alexandria winning is such a shock to some people because they're like, they don't, they didn't understand that people truly believe these things yeah. <laughs> enough to like run a platform on it. You know yeah. what I mean? So that was really encouraging. And the, and uh, to the Hillary Clinton point, like I understand that I can say a lot of this stuff because I am a solidly, I'm a comfortably middle-class white guy. Pretty much anything Donald Trump does is going to have little to no effect on my life. Mm-hmm. And so it's very easy for me to sit here and be like, yeah, let everything go to shit. I don't care. It's not going to affect me. You know what I'm saying? But at the same time, if a change like this is going to happen, it's not going to happen with Hillary Clinton in office. It's not, period. And if yeah. Kennedy retires when Hillary Clinton is in office, at best, you're getting another Kennedy in the SCOTUS, mm-hmm. which is not great, right? Yeah. Like he is basically a Republican judge who held firm on, was it gay rights and abortion for the left? Outside of that, not a great judge. (laughs) You know what I mean? So it's like with Hillary Clinton in office, and and I understand that he he will be replaced by somebody way worse, right? But ultimately, like none of, I feel like none of this change is going to happen. And this was my argument from the beginning with, with Hillary, is like none of this comes about if you just put another flag carrying yeah. establishment politician in as president. Yeah, well, I mean, look look at the policies that that are being advocated. Did you like if you just look at the environmental policies, I don't even see conservative, you know, a, a lot of conservatives getting behind those. You know, I I don't see a lot of concern like eliminating the regulations that will prevent you know, factories from dumping waste into <laughs> into uh, creeks and stuff, guess what's going to start happening? They're going to start dumping that stuff into lakes and streams and stuff. These policies actually do affect things. And that is the thing that, that I think, I'm like, listen, do it, guys. Get your Republicans in office and Supreme Court and all that stuff. Let them dismantle unions. Let them clear right. regulations. Let them like do whatever they want to, um, you know, take all the money that they want from corporate interests and banks and stuff like that. Guess what's going to happen? There'll be another banking collapse because everybody in Wall Street is greedy and stupid. Right. And so you're going to lose your retirement again. And then you'll have to be like, something, something needs to be done, right? Yeah. You're going to go to your favorite fishing spot and be standing in like two inches of sludge. And you're like, you know what? We need some regulations on these companies. Like that, that, that to me too is like, we are not talking hypothetically, theoretically about a difference of opinion uh, on perspectives of two things. We're talking about people who actively deny climate change exists. You can't hide behind that. Yeah. 
but you know what I mean? Like that's not a policy that is not going to get checked. The problem is we're all going to be like standing in three feet of water and then people are going to be like, huh, I didn't think this would happen. Yeah. You know, it's just like the anti-vaxxers. You're anti-vax until all of a sudden there's a polio outbreak and you go, huh, I, I guess polio isn't eradicated, yeah. you know? Right. And so I, I think to me also, it's, it's not about a difference of opinion. It's about like who we are. It's not about beliefs. You know, what kind of person are you? Yeah. Like that, that to me is also what the debate is becoming. Are you a person who can see children crying, screaming because they got separated from their parent and you can say actor or you can say, uh, not as important as talking about tax cuts. Right. You know, like, or you can say whatever these pundits have said, trying not to deny it unless you're saying that they're actors, but to skirt around the issue or say that there's something else that's more important happening. Yeah. You know? And that is what we're fundamentally disagreeing about. It's not, oh, tell me more about this. All children crying are actors. Or tell me about this Sandy Hook was a government conspiracy <laughs> thing. Yeah, I want to hear more about this. So this QAnon stuff. Yeah. Tell me more. Right? Yeah. Um, so I, I think that's one thing that's changed. We're, we're actually debating... The character of people, not just what, not just a difference of, of belief or opinion. The other thing that I think is um, that this made me think of as you were talking about the response of the Democrats and institutional politicians, it made me think of Westworld, which just ended, and I know you, you haven't watched. Mm-hmm. Um, but in Westworld, it ends with a character bringing back another character and basically saying, I'm bringing you back because I know you're going to try and stop me. And that's what we need in order for our species to survive is we need this pull and counterpoint. We, they need our battle Mm -hmm. through which they can kind of like slip through and get by. If it's just me then I'm going to run, be like a cult leader or whatever. Mm -hmm. So it's like this unbreakable idea of like when the earth produces somebody with superpowers, you need a balancing force. I think whether, are not these institutional politicians have thought about it. That is their functional worldview. I think they see themselves as like, we may disagree, but this world needs this push pull between us. Like we are keeping the balance and that's what we need to protect is the balance. They've lost long ago the idea of kind of ideology, you know, Mm -hmm. they're now just about the system. And as much as they can like, go after each other you get them together on a golf course and their smiles and their selfies and they're like you know you, you put them together ruth's chris and all of a sudden they're all eating and having a you know good old time and then you get them on the on the senate floor and they're yelling into a mic to an empty house right. you know what i mean <laughs> like no one's even showing up for the debates yeah. and no one's even trying anymore right. you're just going through the motions and i think that that is something that they've bought into as like, oh, no, we are part of a system that helps keep the delicate balance. Mm-hmm. We can't have these like uh, ideologues in here, which is why, again, she's so threatening. Right. You know what I mean? But uh, I'm like, I'm like, that's such a that, that that's a fiction idea. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you want that worldview? Watch Unbreakable. Watch Westworld. Don't build your whole career and life around this false idea of like. 
we are two opposing forces of a balanced system. Yeah. You know what I mean? You, you've long ago st- stopped, stopped serving a purpose for anybody. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one thing I wanted to say, two things I have to say real quick. I don't know if it was, it was somebody from the Trump White House that said something like. There's only four left, I think. So yeah. <laughs> Maybe it was Sanders herself, but somebody was like, when we're going out to do something that's as non-political as getting dinner, we shouldn't have to worry about this political stuff, which again Hmm. is like the thing I've been saying. I feel like for the past, however long, like everything is political, right? Like, like getting dinner is political, Mm -hmm. right? It's not a political. If you think it is a political, you are the person, you are the oppressor, right? You are the, why are you in politics? Exactly. (laughs) The second I, you know what I love about politics? I love that we don't affect anyone. <laughs> I mean, I just love working in an industry that is just closed off. And, uh, you know, we know the decisions we make aren't really going to affect millions of people. I mean, right. that's, that's why I want to be a politician. Uh, the second thing is the, is the union busting. And I feel like uh, some of this is a part of it, too, is a part of the um, lack of curiosity i feel like the other side of the coin on that is just pure selfishness right it's i don't i don't have any kids why am i paying for public schools Mm -hmm. i don't walk my dog why do i have to pay for sidewalks and it's the same is the same thing with the unions like Mm -hmm. i'm not in a union why am i paying why does part of my check go to this and it's like okay fine i i understand that sentiment that's fine i understand it but if you don't want anything to do with the unions whatsoever, then maybe when you get a job, you should sign a non-union contract and you don't get the fees taken out, but guess what? Now your boss can work you 60 hours a week. And if you don't want to do that, you get fired. Right. And you don't get two days off on the weekend. You have to work seven days a week and you don't get any sick leave and you don't get days off for holidays and all of these other benefits that are there because of unions, you don't get to partake in that anymore. But if you want to join the union, 40 hours a week, five days a week, which I'll say is still a really shitty schedule. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That still sucks. Yeah. And whoever thought that that was a good idea <laughs> is an asshole. Yeah. Right. Like the person yeah. who thought that that was a good idea is some billionaire making obviously billions of dollars off of the backs of yeah, everybody no, else. You know, what I feel like it was, I feel like it really was like, what is the limit that I can Get away. like I don't know if it was lab tested, but I feel like we are at the limit of what people can swallow, and I, I do want to know like like the history of how we you know arrived at a forty hour work week, and it probably was the fact that pre, you know there were generations where literally the work week was close to twenty hours a day, mm-hmm. you know, because people could get away with it, so eight seemed reasonable. But yeah, no, I mean, it, it's amazing that, again, we, we live in a, in a, um, in a world. Well, this kind of came out, I'll, I'll say this very briefly. This kind of came out at E3, which is a lot has been written about the work conditions of the gaming industry and how unregulated it is and mm-hmm. how easily it is for you to get, you know, not paid what you were supposed to or get 
uh, drop from a project well, or, or for a long time. And maybe that's just because I don't follow video games as much, but that was like the zeitgeist of the video game sort of ecosystem was, was developers talking about how terrible crunch times crunch and time. deadlines were and, exactly. and they're being worked 20 hours out of the day and they're yeah. sleeping in the office for weeks on end and yeah. blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Yeah. And so that, that is still going on. But what, what I find interesting is that you still watch E3 and some companies will be like, here's a sizzle reel of our company. Right. You know what I mean? We're family. Right. Like yeah, we, yeah. we still live in a, in a world where like CEOs will get up there and be like, hey, fam, like, right. uh, let's go crazy. Like, uh, watch me play guitar up here at yeah. our event. And then meanwhile, it's like, uh, yeah, we're going to need you to, to sign a contract saying that uh, you might have to work weekends. We are right. not going to guarantee that, that you'll have your weekends, right. you know? And you're like, this is, it's even my job, which is a state job, had to come under regulations because like we have some Saturdays that we work and there's nothing on the books mm-hmm. that would say that we had to be compensated for mm-hmm. that. You know what I mean? That was just like, that's part of the job. Right. Oh, so I work 40 hours a week except for the, I don't care how, I don't care if it's five weeks a year. Mm-hmm. Like that is time that, that's my t- that that's right. my time for my family. Exactly. Right? We're we're a, a society that supports families, and it's all about families. You know, what I mean. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, yeah, six. We're gonna need you sixty hours this week. Yeah. Yeah. The the level of sort of like corporate worship and like the appeal to authority. That mentality is it's totally baffling to me. Like it's Baffles. gotten, it's gotten, and it's gotten stranger to me. The more I've been in the workforce, mm-hmm. I do, I do not after I've, I've been working since I was 18. So for 18 years, I've had a job. I do not understand where this idealization of like working your life away comes from. Yeah. It is so strange yep. because work sucks. Sucks. It's plain and simple. <laughs> yeah, it's just so weird how people, how Americans have like fetishized it's just working your Work life culture. away for yeah. some guy who's so clearly like manipulating you and like and like paying you less than what you're worth. Yeah, or, or they don't think that they are. But it's like <clears throat> what you know. I feel like you could ask some people and be like. What was the last movie you stayed awake through? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, what was the last thing that you were able to devote your attention to that you weren't just like nodding off mm-hmm. or like, you know, it's like uh, that, that generally doesn't happen. And yeah, maybe a person's just naturally tired, but I think also it's because, yeah, we work mm-hmm. too much. Like we work and we commute. That's what we do. We work, commute, yeah. m- you know, make dinner for, for our kids, get them in bed. And then we don't have any energy left, but thank God for that Saturday and Sunday. Right. <laughs> yeah. The Saturday and Sunday that I spend most of the day <laughs> sleeping because and doing of, chores in order to recover because I'm so <laughs> exhausted. And, and two, to the earlier point, like I, I can understand at a, at a point in our history, like that amount of work was necessary to like keep things running. Mm-hmm. But like we've gotten a point, we've gotten to a point in our country where one person is worth $150 billion. Yeah. Like we've reached the point where we can reap what we've sown, all of us, by working so hard, not just one person who's accumulated an insane amount of wealth, (laughs) right? 
all of us who have worked right. for that should be able to reap those rewards instead of just continuing to be ground into dust, right? And then just, and the excuse is, well, we'll just find somebody else. You know yeah, what I mean? Here's, not to get sidetracked, the other thing that's so shocking to me, because you're absolutely right, this worship of the CEO of the company, right, is so surprising to me. Again, because you know what our corporate history is rife with? People stealing from other people. Mm-hmm. People not actually inventing something, taking it from the person who right. did invent it, burying them out in a ditch somewhere, and then using that thing to, to get rich, right? Or to yeah. invent the whatever. There's no idea of a communal kind of, what did it take for humanity to invent this thing or get to this place or to allow this person to even invent that thing? Nothing happens in a vacuum. Yeah. And so for the ability for this one person to say, I did it and I and my family and my descendants deserve all the kickbacks from this thing. Mm-hmm. And anybody who has helped us is either going to get like, we're going to sue them into oblivion or I'm going to literally murder them, you know, <laughs> right. and any kind of worker in my company that is going to make my vision they are are deserving of pennies on the dollar right or they're the deser- bare minimum yeah or they're, they're deserving of getting ground up in a uh you know in a in an assembly line right like once in a while because listen man these watches they gotta get made people want right. them so you know if this person is working you know 12 hours and falls asleep and gets their hand mashed Right. Throw them out. There's somebody out at the gate, right? Like that, that is the mentality. But again, people want to say like, yeah, why should I have to give my wealth? Why should it's like, do you really think that you are responsible for, for your position solely that you deserve all of that? Like if anything, I should be paying my parents. Like they should be getting a a portion of my income. Like as I get older, because what they did for me, like, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? It's, it's just, an elevation of the self through the means of inventors, CEOs, self-starters, right? Look at them. Um, you know, a book I actually want to read is the, is the, um, the Theranos. Oh, yeah. Elizabeth Holmes. Yes. Elizabeth yeah. Holmes on the media did a whole thing with an yeah. interview with the guy. Her story is emblematic of Mm -hmm. what we're talking about. She was wealthy. She duped a bunch of wealthy people who believe that they are are deserving of all this money, but they're too stupid to to see a charlatan. And they're going to just plug her into the system of wealth and then just whatever she she gets, she's owed that. Oh, she's, she's a billionaire? That's cool. Yeah. Right. She, she's earned that. Earned it how? Yeah. You know what I mean? But we stopped asking. It's, it is, it's a glorification of the company, of the CEO, of the self-star, of the whoever, of the already millionaire. Mm-hmm. Uh, but man, what people really get worked up about are these overpaid athletes. Have you seen what these athletes are paid? And they want to kneel on the field? Right. What about yeah. these companies? Yeah. Yo, oh, listen, man. Companies have rights. and Right. You know, people got to, people got to work. Yeah. 
Yeah. And, and two, to, to be able to flip that, like the expendability of the American worker and to be able to like have these people who are, you know, millionaires, billionaires who are able to just say, Hey, I can hire a bunch of illegal immigrants for way cheaper. I don't have to pay them any sort of, I just pay them $4 an hour, no insurance. And to get away with, not only get away with that, but then to be able to flip it and like somehow place the blame back on the immigrants, you know <laughs> yeah, what I mean? To be yeah. like, hey, those people are taking your jobs. Was well, like, wait a minute, why are you paying them? Why, yeah. why are we, first of all, as a country, not like uh, nationalizing these people and like bringing them into our system? And why are you allowed to get away with like, paying people under the under the table yeah you know what i mean mm-hmm. it just is uh, yeah it just is crazy like like we said it's like this weird worship of the ruling class that has been sold to the american society and like a lot of people just have taken it hook line yeah. and sinker they just love it yeah and it just well, is like a doctrine yeah it, it's no context i think i think it goes back to again people just separating things that they that they like or want to hear from a context so they can use it and so like what is the narrative of america pull yourself up by your bootstraps work hard enough and you're going to make it happen look at all these people who have made it happen you know for them then you look a little closer and you're like they're all psychopaths Mm -hmm. you know They're, they're they're all just greedy or despicable they all have industries that have that are responsible for the exploitation mm-hmm. of whole countries, but I guess it's a good story that yeah. their they've, that they've their father on was an every immigrant. Neck they could on their way up the ladder. Yeah, right? and and they're looking for necks to stomp when they're up right. there right now. And yet, there's it's somehow admirable. It's, it's the American so, dream. Yeah, it's it's the American dream, but but it's because it, it's a promise of wealth and success right. yeah, and exactly. independence and all that stuff. And uh, yeah, it's not curious. Okay. That's all I've got. Yeah, I'm spent. Okay. This has got to be like a 15 parter. <laughs> we can't release this all at once. It's too much politics. We gotta break it up. <laughs> <laughs>